This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Thank you for stopping by. I'm Dan McNeil. Sam Michael is my producer. Adam Delavitt is the big boss man, not the wrestler, but the guy in charge of the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. He is Baby Capone, and I look forward to seeing his happy punim. Uh, my Yiddish is good after being in broadcasting so many years. Tonight at the Clark Kellogg event, at Bet Rivers Casino, uh, Bet Rivers, uh, Rivers Casino, excuse me, in Displains, right off the Tri State by the airport, not far from the Big Ten offices. It is going to be a fantastic event, and I'll share some of the experiences with you on Monday as Kellogg and I break down the best teams for the NCAA tournament and do a nice history course on college and pro basketball in his lifetime. We're the same age. We have a lot of the same memories. It's going to be a hoot. Audience questions welcome tonight as well. I have four or five things I want to hit in shorter burst form for you today. None bigger than the NFL's offseason. Lamar Jackson, uh, commentary, additional commentary to augment some things I was saying Monday about the Bears and where a level of excitement should be there. I'm not going to keep going on that. This is just a tease. I'll tell you about the offseason stuff. Jackson, the Bears, in a second. Leslie Frazier is in the news. He's been in the news, actually. He announced a little while ago he's taking a year off. I want to talk about Les, the former Bears corner, in a little bit, and Travis Kelsey's performance on Saturday Night Live. I missed this on Monday show. I didn't write everything down. I didn't I wanted to talk about and it cost me the importance of timeliness. Mac, you're going to break down Travis Kelsey on Saturday Night Live. What do you have for us next week? You want to review the movie Ali um which is at least 10 years old with Will Smith? No, I get it. I screwed up. I'm bad uh on occasion. Uh I'm going to tell you too why Facebook is the Wayne Gretzky of social media that'll be short and i also have a quick thought on oscars weekend as it pertains to sports when captured in film i think what the pandemic proved in its infancy was just how much the nfl has a colossal stranglehold on the rest of american sports sports stopped Early in February, maybe it was mid-February, we were in spring training with the radio station, and uh, it was a Cubs clubhouse, had all kinds of people sick. I think my partner Danny Parkins was in there and may have passed it along to me because I was sicker than hell before I got to the airport on the return and missed a few days of work. This was before COVID-19, as it was called at the time had testing readily available. Home kits, are you kidding me? You couldn't go to a medical facility. 
and get tested. You just had to wait it out for at, at least a few months, if I remember right. But spring training stops. The NBA and NHL are stopped. And sports fans are left wondering in the late winter, early spring of 20, what in the F do I do to occupy my time? ESPN helped out in Chicago, and there was some interest nationally, too, because it was the greatest modern-day basketball dynasty we knew, and that was the Bulls. They did the last dance, and we picked it apart because it gave us something to talk about. But so did the NFL. The offseason stories during the pandemic were so huge and so captivating They grabbed people. They were big stories, none bigger than Tom Brady, the greatest player in the game's history, going to Tampa Bay. And they would win there and and win relatively quickly. But there's a free agency. You have player movement with trades more than an era has gone by. With the NFL, the offseason calendar is structured in such a manner then it has the opportunity to be bigger. In fact, I think it has probably reached this tipping point. It exceeds other sports in terms of level interest, level of interest to a large degree, not in every corner, but to a large degree. The interest in the NFL in the offseason is greater than sports that are being played at the time. Now, you might think I'm effing nuts. What are you talking about? Mac, you don't like the NBA. Of course you're going to say, well, NBA is huge in the younger demographic, but there are a lot of guys out there who once were fans and not anymore. There is a huge contingent of the population, percentage of the population, in Chicago in the 90s, happy to have a party, happy to watch the greatest player they thought in the game's you know history in Jordan, and they were out. They, they, as soon as Jordan left the second time, they wanted nothing to do with Tim Floyd and fill in the blank on which coaches succeeded him, unless they wanted to use him as a punching bag, as they did with Jim Boylan just a few years ago. The Blackhawks don't matter in Chicago unless they're good. Throw in the public relations problems they've had in the last couple of years, Rocky Wirtz and the abject failure that was the town meeting last season when pressed by Mark Lazarus of The Athletic to discuss the Kyle Beach situation. It was an embarrassment. It was sad. The team is in a in a wretched state. I, I don't think it's overstating it to suggest the Chicago Blackhawks are in the darkest days in the history of their franchise. I don't think that's overstating it at all. So, In Chicago, when the Bulls are bad, people like to gnash teeth over it, but they're happy quickly to move along to the stories in the other sports. And because football is so popular, and I don't give a crap that gambling and and legalized gambling now contributes to football's popularity. That doesn't bother me. People used to ride me because I'm the champion of the shield Where would it be without fantasy? Where would it be without gambling? Where would it be without office pools? Where would it be without, you know, confidence picks and Super Bowl squares? Well, you know, think about the things you just asked those who say that. Because they involve everybody. They, they, They get people who otherwise aren't interested in football interested. 
Men who've bitched for years about the office sec, the secretary, uh, or you know whoever in the who wins the uh, annual office pool, they they can't take that. How in the world did we all lose the whole? Well, it's not easy, and you're silly if you think you know something about football. Even if you do. Uh, and there are a lot of guys who are great football minds who can't pick a game any easier. Well, it's much easier to pick their backsides, but I uh, lost my train of thought there. Sorry about that. I do that in my dotage from time to time. Football gambling, you know, legalized gambling. It's been good for the game. It has amped it up. But a crazy offseason schedule. NFL Network's emergence into the mainstream. NFL Network is part of the machine, if you didn't know it the machine that used to be exclusive to three networks and, you know, four, if you count Fox in the early days before Fox was even anywhere near getting an NFL contract as it did in the nineties with the NFC. So you take a look at the NFL's off season schedule and where we are right now, we are past the combine, which drew enormous interest. Television ratings were decent. Chatter was decent, especially locally with the number one pick, everybody wanting to get information about the best pass rushers available, the most destructive uh, defensive linemen. Uh, the kid from Georgia's in the news with that story, more of a life story than a football story. But if your team needs a defensive lineman, it's also a football story. We have this week the franchise tag deadline. We have free agency beginning in a few weeks in March. It isn't the most attractive list of free agents, especially at sexy positions like quarterback and wide receiver. The running back class is stacked. But running backs, oh my goodness, you poor guys. Kick to the curb, all beaten up. We need you for 10,000 miles. Then you can go F yourself for the rest of your life. We're going to find some uh, some vehicle that's high-powered and has, has no tread on the tires. Poor guys. Uh, then after the draft, and, and the draft is huge. I remember when the draft, a lot of you do, when Mel Kuyper talked into a tin can attached to a string, and that's how we got information. If you would have told somebody in 1987, which was the first draft I covered for publication, the Bears took Neil Anderson that year. Maybe it was 86. The Bears take Neil Anderson, and uh, he's the heir apparent to Walter Payton. And I was at the old Hallis Hall, as Coach would say, 250 North Washington. Had my little laptop for the Hammond Times and I was digging into Neil Anderson and getting to know people a little bit better, trying to network, trying to do what I was told by a stand-up comic once. You want to get a good job, find a boss that's taller than you so it's easier for you to kiss his ass. Not a problem for me. I'm 5'2". Actually, I'm about 5'8 and a half, but I like to say 5'2 because I can make, a fun, make fun of myself and not get my feelings hurt uh, when it comes to my absence of verticality. The draft is enormous <laughs> here with the one and the opportunity to just stack pile <laughs> draft picks for the future and for this year. Ryan Poles, uh, I don't want to be re redundant. I said a lot about this, so I'm going to skip to somebody else's thought about it. On Good Morning Football this morning, Micah Hyde, the Buffalo Bills DB safety and former Iowa Hawkeye was on the panel today sitting in for Jason McCourty. He did a great job 
good-looking, well-spoken dude. Love to see more of him down the road, especially when his career is in the rear view. The question to the table, on the table, was which team in the NFL is at the biggest crossroads this offseason? Everybody gave their opinion. There's a lot of good potential answers on this. My goodness. Micah Hyde said it was the Bears. He talked about all of the obvious that some people nationally still might not be, you know, fully aware of. We here obviously know it's the number one pick. It's $100 million in cap space. Unfortunately, no grade for you. But Micah Hyde said what I was explaining last week and what I've been sort of gearing up to, and the more I've thought about it, the more I've recognized the gravity of the situation. There is a national voice, an NFL guy, saying, yeah, this guy's got a chance to really tip the franchise, to really, you know, he hits on two or three of these guys. Maybe it's, he's going to need to hit. I mean, hit on a, on an all-pro level. I don't mean just a good player. If he finds two or three all-pros, whether it's draft-free agency, like all-pro next year, this coming season, they're on their way. Um Man, it's uh, it's gonna be so much fun. The NFL is just such a force. Lamar Jackson, uh, that situation is is ugly as I thought it would be. It's going to get worked out. I I'm convinced. I missed it Monday. I think is when I said it. Maybe it was last week. You're gonna see him wind up accepting a three year deal. That that's. I think that's as far as the Ravens will be willing to go in terms of length of the deal. They're going to bite the bullet on his annual salary. I I don't think that they've got no choice. If they don't get him close to Deshaun Watson and these 40 million plus per annum deals, he he very well might choose to play chicken with them. So I think they've got they're they're willing to accept yeah forty million a year. We're going to commit a lot of money, but only for three years. That's probably where it will go. Jackson needs an agent now. Not having an agent when he was drafted cost him. Mike Florio had a great piece. I'd heard something about this with other players in the past, and it wasn't because they didn't have representation. But it's the evil game agents play at the Combine when they try to negative sell the players at the position of their most marquee clients. And it's no more more vicious than with the quarterback position without representation. And I don't remember who the quarterbacks were coming into that class. It doesn't matter. There were agents who passed the word. Jackson wants a positional switch. Uh, Jackson may not be healthy. He may not have the acuity mentally to understand NFL defenses that'll move too fast. They talked about Louisville not being center ring, and they were they were swinging apparently swinging some some NFL decision makers because Lamar Jackson plummeted to thirty two, and you could tell that night. I remember watching him; he was effing pissed. Some of that's on him, as it will be. Again, if he doesn't, I cannot believe there isn't an adult in the room in the life of this guy, this NFL MVP just three years ago, four years ago, 
saying, Lamar, look, take yourself out. You are going to react emotionally to every offer every team puts in front of you, every trade potentially. You you want to take yourself out of that. You don't want to sit yourself across from your general manager, head coach, team president, and listen to them tell you the reasons they don't want to pay you. You you let your agent do that. He softens the language so you don't shit your pants and want to leave. And that's how the process works most seamlessly. Jackson so needs a guy to do that for him. Good stuff by Mike Florio. He is, you know, and I can't say in print because it's not in print. Old man yells at cloud. I miss newspaper when it mattered. But he is the best NFL. He's the one I like to follow the most. And he used bullshit in his his column on Jackson. Bullshit reports uh, of those agents who tried to sabotage Jackson (laughs) before the draft years ago. Yeah, it's a business. It is a multi-billion dollar machine. And people do lots of morally and ethically questionable things in pursuit of financial reward. Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, Frazier is taking a year off. I hope he's well. I hope he gets what he wants. I only met Les Frazier one time. For those of you younger listeners, Frazier was on the Bears Super Bowl team that crushed the Patriots in the Superdome in New Orleans on January 26th of 86. Bears had a big lead. They called a reverse. Maybe Ditka had the over. They called a reverse, and Leslie Frazier got his knee blown out. He was late in his career, but still, it ended his career. That was it. Maybe he only had another year or two left anyway. I don't know what was in head at the time. I never talked to him about it. I never. I don't remember anybody saying anything about him. Leslie Frazier, at the time I met him, 89, 90, was just beginning his coaching journey. He was just dipping his toes in the water. At the time, he was coaching Trinity College in Deerfield. And when I met with him to get him on uh, Chet Kopic's show, I was Kopic's producer. There was a charity foundation. I think it was a Better Boys Foundation lunch that I went to shake some hands, get Chet some guests. And he was so gentle. I mean, the, the, the word gentle, gentleman, typically isn't understood. It isn't interpreted the way it initially was inferred. He is a gentle man. He is kind. He is calm. He looks you in the eye. He has passion. He told me just really, you know, everything he had planned for Trinity College because he cared. He's a passionate guy. His career in Minnesota didn't go so well. Some would say he should have been given more of an opportunity, and it's hard for me to disagree with that. But anyway, I I hope the gentle man who is Leslie Frazier is okay and finds happiness this offseason. Man, was Travis Kelsey good on Saturday night live last weekend? Did you see it? Best part is the monologue. Watch the monologue, and that's I, I yeah, I've seen the others, but the monologue I thought really exhibited a couple of things. Number one, young athletes today, and we bitch about younger people, we boomers. They're spending all that time on their phones. They don't know how to talk to somebody. They don't know how to look somebody eye, shake a hand, and make a make a, an impression. 
yeah, that's, that's kind of true, but it's not across the board. And when you're an NFL player, who's a star and you're a little bit of a, a ham and like to clown around, like the Kelsey brothers do, you get a chance to hone your skills as an entertainer. I'm going to call him that. He's not an entertainer only on Sundays. Travis Kelsey entertained a nation this past Saturday night. It was self-deprecating. They had video. His brother on the on the Eagles, Jason Kelsey, was was in attendance. He he played he played his role, saying nothing with a poker face when <laughs> when brother took a shot at him. Kelsey joked about when he didn't get to. Uh, finish uh, he got suspended from a college season and then had a, a negative marijuana t- he had academic issues I, maybe one of them was high yeah one of them was high school one of them was college and then he said uh so kids the more something like the moral of the story is you can smoke weed and be lousy at school and go on and win two super bowls it was really good you, i won't give away the rest of it he delivered it he made good eye contact. He didn't stumble. And hats off to Travis Kelsey. I thought I was going to hate it. I don't. I didn't consume a lot of the podcast, any of the podcast. I heard three minutes of a clip on the radio the first week between the, the day after Championship Sunday. Uh, I think it was that Monday when I heard a little bit of a preview. Maybe it was Tuesday of what they were going to be doing together. And, and it was fine. But I could see how some people were saying, oh, my God. I am fatigued by the Kelsey brothers. I I, I kind of, I, I understood why they're out there a lot. I, I love to watch this dude play. He may finish as the best tight end in NFL history. Maybe flavor of the month. I don't know. Flavor of the last five years. Why is Facebook the Wayne Gretzky of social media? I'll tell you. It has less bitterness all over it. Maybe you disagree. If you do, I would encourage you to visit Twitter more often. Write something on Twitter that has the potential to be controversial. It doesn't have to be political. It could be sports. Strong opinion on sports that's really left of center, that's really contrarian. Move Justin Fields. Make him the same guy Taysom Hill was in New Orleans. Boy, did I get lit up for that. Yeah, I was trolling a little bit. But I don't think the idea is terrible. Tell me next year after the season how terrible it is if Fields doesn't improve from his 59.5% completion percentage. Facebook is more genteel, and it brings people together who otherwise have lost touch. A former roommate of mine, Roger Good and I, Lost touch with each other for 14 or 15 years, right around 90, 91, maybe a little bit later, 92, 93. We didn't have a falling out. Just, you know, he moved to West Lafayette or in, then Indianapolis. We lost touch. I had kids. Career took off. Didn't find each other. See a Facebook request from him. Accept it. Three months later, after a couple of fun, you know, really warm exchanges, we met to watch the NCAA uh, championship game between LSU and Alabama, the second game of the year. I'd gone to the first in Tuscaloosa, thrilling 12-9 game, I think. I had the over. So I've reconnected with Roger, and we've become really close pals again, and that's one of the beauteous, most beautiful things. I like beauteous. 
about Facebook is it reconnects people. It was great for senior citizens if they don't live in the same part of the country as their grandchildren. You don't have to wait for snail mail. You don't have to wait for a horse and buggy to pull up and bring you a stack of letters that have been accruing in a dusty office somewhere many miles away. I love Facebook. Today, I got a memory that popped up, and it was karmic. I've been writing a lot lately. My book should be available by August, maybe earlier. I'm hoping earlier. I still don't know what the title is. It's a radio autobiography. I also talk a lot about some of the things in my life that led me to a microphone, not all of them pleasant, and the most important relationships in my life. A lot of sports, a lot of radio, a lot of personal stuff. I hope you, I, 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 you know, I, I think it's going to be pretty good. I've been putting a lot of time into it. I think 12 hours yesterday. I think in the last three days, I, I have and I've filed more than 30,000 words for the piece already. And the discipline of writing is is a hard discipline. Most satisfying thing about writing is being done with it. It's like musky fishing. God, that was hard. I love musky fishing, but when the boat gets to the ramp after eight hours in the sun and pulling those double tens all day, balancing yourself in the waves and constantly chucking and winding and chucking and winding, and I, I ain't young, man. It's hard. So a 10-year memory pops up today, and all it is is a picture of mountains with a dusting of snow, red mountains, red rocks, actually. The red rocks of Sedona, Arizona, one of the most spiritually satisfying locations in these United States. A lot of people who are really into Eastern philosophy and and the whole exploration of self, the search for self, choose Sedona as a place to live. My high school journalism teacher was one of those, Barbara Mayer. She was a life coach as well. I visited her several times while on spring training trips. She was the one who encouraged me first to pursue my dreams. She nurtured me as a writer, as an editor. And she told me the key to good writing is is rewriting. So I have been pouring over this thing and pouring over it and trying to honor the things I was taught by my coach and friend and substitute mother. And I was visiting Barbara and there was nothing underneath it. I didn't, it was just a picture. All I posted was a picture. I, I I don't believe in the supernatural. I don't I don't believe those who have left us are capable of communicating to us. I, you know, it's a nice thought. Science precludes me from accepting that. But I don't completely dismiss it either, especially when Barbara was a person who did believe in reincarnation. And it was, it was just, you know, how I interpret it is like, wow, that's appropriate. I mean, I haven't thought of her in the last couple of days while I've been grinding other than reminding myself, keep rewriting. And that picture comes up. It's almost, it was almost like affirmation. Okay. We're in the last trimester with this project. Keep going. Don't stop now, boys. Keep going. Facebook. 
How many times have you lost, if you're a Facebooker, how many times have you lost a friend several years earlier and last thought on your mind, you go on Facebook and there's, you want to share a memory? This is you and your little brother before he lost his battle. This is you and your dad before diabetic neuropathy took him. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, uh, it's a feel good for me. Twitter is for my job at Danny Mac show on Twitter. Facebook is for feeling like a part of the human race. Oscars this weekend. I've only seen one or two. The, the new one with the cast from in Bruges a few years ago is very good. I, I, I love Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. They crushed it in that. I, I don't think it's Oscar worthy. It's one of the noms. It's the only one I've seen. I want to just very few sports movies real quickly have penetrated at the Oscars. You know, the one that did was Hoosiers. I, I think Hoosiers is, it's not my favorite sports movie because I, I favor comedies over it. I also think it's a little corny, but I've done a 180 in terms of what I used to say about Hoosiers. People who find easy, happy, formulaic smiles and joy through movies that uh, the good guy always wins. And in the natural Roy Hobbs homered in the book, he struck out. Can't do that in a movie. Got to leave people feeling good. Hoosiers did the same thing. I used to say I rooted for South Bend in the championship game. What an asshole. I'm not that big of an asshole anymore. I'm an ass. He's just you know, a, little, a little tight one. Um, I put Hoosiers on regularly as a backdrop when I'm working. I, I love it. It's uh, The music is soothing. I go to sleep to Hoosiers if I want, not because it's boring. Dennis Hopper, fantastic in Hoosiers. But I'd have to call... I don't know, Slapshot and Caddyshack, like neck and neck. I can't pick one. I, I really can't. It's easier for me to pick a favorite son than it is choosing between Caddyshack and Slapshot. Oscars this weekend. Hmm. Television is crushing the movie industry. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'll be back on Monday. Please tell your friends that I'm I'm happy and I'm I'm happy talking sports and they can hear me do it. It's free. Download the podcast wherever you get your podcast and uh, follow on Twitter at Danny Mac Show and get to me on Facebook. I'll get to the mailbag early next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. For Adam Delavitt and Sam Michael, I'm Danny Mac, and I'm Taillights. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.